Welcome everyone to The Why, episode number eight. Uh, thank you everyone that's been tuning in. We now have a international audience. I gotta say, thank you for those that are listening. We have uh, some folks over in the US of A. We have some people over in Estonia and uh, Germany that have been listening. So thank you for those that have been tuning in. The Why is uh, a unique podcast which talks about the purpose, ambition and passion of different individuals that come onto the show that I know personally. And it gives them a good way to tell their story and hopefully it inspires a few of you out there. So on this episode, we have a good friend of mine, Russell Smith, aka Rusty. So welcome to the show, Rusty. How you going, Dave? <laughs> good, mate, good. We've worked together very recently, actually, on the uh, Darwin Remembers project, and uh, quite an experience that was, wasn't it? Yeah, the uh, 80th uh, bombing of Darwin, the, uh, the, um, the rebuilding, or the, the what do you call it, reenactment yes. of the 80th bombing of Darwin. So, yeah, very proud to be part of that. Yeah, look, it was a great project, and uh, being the 80th anniversary, it was just such a good thing to to put on for the, um, the community, to have a look at a different perspective of the... Uh, of how different stories were told um, of the bombing, and who did you play on at that? Um, I played the postmaster. His name was Hurtle Clifford Bald, and um, as the bombs rained on Darwin uh, early at 10 a.m. on the 19th of February 1942, yep. he was um, at the postmaster's office. Was one of the first buildings that was blown up. Yeah. So him and uh, Hurtle and his family were in the trench at the back with a lot of the staff, back of the post office building, um, and apparently a bomb landed clean in the trench, and and that was the end of that. Yeah, and such a tragic story, but. Uh like a lot of the stories, definitely need to be told um, in a way. So it was good to bring that back to life in a, in a sense. Yeah, um, and, and being a local, very proud to be part of it. You know, Love Miller Primary boy, Darwin High School uh, boy. Um, and when asked to want to be part of the 80th of bombing, the, re the reenactment, um, so yeah, certainly uh, put my hand up and said, yeah, very proud to be part of it. So, um, Rusty, tell us about... <laughs> about yourself i mean you've uh, been in darwin for a while uh, you're more local than even i am but uh tell the listeners and the viewers uh, a bit about yourself um, um yeah back in i back in darwin really um obviously started in darwin uh Lubmiller primary darwin high um after the cyclone which was 1974 i was in high school Mm -hmm. um, and spent some time after the cyclone back and forth to Melbourne with uncles and aunties and all that sort of thing because the family is a little bit scattered, not in body parts, but as in, you know, all over Australia, everyone got moved around. Um, and then um, yep. stayed in Melbourne for a while. I got a job as a policeman. Yep. Um, worked at, at the... Uh, at the transit district in, in Victoria for quite some time, about seven and a half years. Really enjoyed that. Um, spent a lot of time at Flinders Street Station on foot patrol, which I found absolutely fascinating. It was a brilliant place to, to work and to help people and to serve, uh, you know, Victoria and Australia again. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and... Uh, had life's dramas along the way, you know, a couple of divorces and issues and things, and uh, eventually landed back in Darwin about... Well, I was in Catherine, actually, about 20 years ago, 15 to 20, and I started a, a little small car yard and a caravan business um, okay. and ran that for about 15 years. And then five years ago, um, came back to Darwin after um, the, the yards and, and, the, and the businesses didn't, well, they went bust eventually after I had about two divorces in six years. So I had a bit of, had a bit of emotional trouble, a bit of personal trouble, uh, and which led me back to Darwin. 
Yeah, happens to us all, unfortunately. Those uh, the life's roller coaster seems to hit us in different ways, and uh, there's different roller coasters we uh, ride on. I guess. Yeah, you, you get those lightning bolt moments, and and one one of those was after a, quite a decent court hearing, and, and I'd lost you know most of my material possessions, etc. Um, I decided that. In my little heart, there was a little man that said, you need to act or do theatre or do some entertaining before, you know, before it's too late, before I'm laying on my bed thinking I should have done these things. Mm. So I walked into a theatre in Darwin called Brown Smart Theatre. It's the main theatre, one theatre, and said, are you looking for an actor? Yeah, right. So and that sort of sparked a, a why, really, didn't it? Um, with, you, with your why and your purpose and what you wanted to do from that. In, ter in terms of, a, I guess, a life... Um, What's your purpose in life? Is there was a calling there, right? That was the purpose. I just knew at some stage that I had to do it. I was going to do it. So right. at, at 55, I've been being 61 now. People look at me and say, oh, he's, he's been in the theatre or been acting for, you know, 50 years or 40 years. No, I've been doing it for five years. I started at 55, walked into a theatre at 55 and said, hey, I'm going to do a play. It's amazing people get those stereotypes, don't they? Like they think just because you're an elderly person, and doing something, you must have been doing it for a while. Um, but I guess there is a, always a story to tell. And um, this is exactly why uh, we, I love doing these podcasts. You get to find that out about The basic of, of not doing it before that time, before sort of a, a massive breakup in, in your life and a, and a huge drama, was fear and, and the fear of failure. Yeah. Um, and those sorts of things. And, and, you know, can you do... I was always thought there was, that those people were so smart and so intelligent that were, they were, they were, you know, to do acting and to be a, a stand-up comedian, to walk on stage and, and do what they do. And then yeah. someone said to me, Rusty, they write it and memorise it and then they go out and I go, yeah. bingo, I can do that. Yeah. So it was 55 years of age I decided to turn into a performer and an entertainer. Such an inspiring story there, Rusty, and um, I'm, I'm sure, hopefully there's people listening that um, might be at that age. They might be at, you know, in their 50s and might be thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't know because I'm, I'm only in my 30s, but uh, there comes a time in your life where you have to look back and also look forward and go, all right, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And uh, yeah, I guess you took that, um, you took that initiative and took that action to do what you wanted to do. So hats off to you there. Yeah, well, very correct. Everyone said, what are you going to do? You're going to go back into business? You're going to do this or that or the other? And I said, no, I'm going to the theatre. And ev like everybody's like, what? Where's this come from? I said, it, it's always been in me. I've always wanted to do it. And, I've, and I love the fact to make people laugh. You know, laughing is better than crying. It doesn't matter what you're in, the rain or wherever you are. So, so I'm always making people laugh. So, so I, I put in a bit of work. I went to Sydney, um, did a two-week night, of course, on comedy um, and theatre up here. I got um, a, a Shakespeare director called Tony Reeve to help me out. Uh, and, and basically they're, they're, they've been putting me together piece by piece, but also a lot of grinding and, and a lot of fear, a lot of fear. And, I can imagine, yeah. And um, the challenge of it all, also the challenge that, that to do something that a lot of people can't do. Mm. You know, I've always looked up to Barry Humphreys, you know, Dame Edna, obviously, and Robin Williams and people like that. These are the people that I wanted at my lunchtime table. Yeah. And I thought... I could be one of them. I could be, you know, a small piece of, of someone like that. Um, and and funny to say, as I walked out of NIDA, the instructor, the guy that taught, taught us for two weeks, he said to me, you've got a splash of Robin Williams about you. 
never yep. never lose that because I'm, I'm I have a bit scattered and people call me quirky and a little bit eccentric and you know, all that yeah. sort of stuff. You kind of need that though, right? For your, I mean, there's different types of comedians, just like there are different types of singers and actors and theatre. But you have a certain style about about you in comedy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, my, my first heroes were the Marx Brothers. So right. so yeah. when I went to do my first um, five or six minute uh, piece on a, as a, on a comedy stage. I turned up in a costume with a dragon hanging off my hand and everybody looked at me like I was from outer space. And I was <laughs> major catastrophe and Gordon, who was the dragon, the world's worst ventriloquist. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then delivered a very memorable performance that you know, brought the house down and they went, you are a lunatic. And, I, and that's a, that's, I'm very happy about that. I guess with this style it also it comes to... There is a bit of controversy, right, with um, different topics that are brought up. I know there's a few right now in the world, in the big scene. I mean, I think you've spoken about this, um, being a little bit vocal about it, how, you know, there's different controversies on different types of comedy. And you've, yeah. been, you've been sort of, you've had experience on that. Do you want to share that? I've had people criticise things things I've done, but because I'm new to it and I didn't know there were boundaries nowadays and, and lines that you could cross or whatever, I see someone like a Ricky Gervais say, you know, really politically incorrect things and, and it's acceptable. It's on a TV screen or and people go to the show. So yeah. I did a little bit of that early days here and um, it wasn't received that well. Political correctness, you can't say this and you can't do that. And, and I th I'm thinking, I'm in a comedy club. They're jokes. None yeah. of it's real. The uncle that I made up, yeah. he's fictional. Yeah. The story yeah. that I just told, it's a joke. Yeah. And, and people were getting offended by something that wasn't even real. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we got to be. It's a it's a fine line to tread, isn't it? Um, the comedy scene. I wouldn't know. I don't do comedy, um, but even with singing, I do singing and performing. Um, you're never gonna uh, please everyone, unfortunately. And yeah, what, what I find really, really odd is if you're gonna warn people that the punchline is offensive or naughty, they've already that's killed half the joke. Yeah. Half the the great punchlines are the blindside punchlines and the ones that come out of nowhere and the improv stuff. Yeah. And that's what's that's what they that's what I I believe they're not killing, but it, but it's it is certainly now when I write a joke or I'm going to go and say something, I have to think about it before I go and deliver it. Where, Absolutely. Where I don't think you should have to. I think it's a, it's, it's a comedy club. It's a joke, mm -hmm. and you have five or six minutes to do what you want. Yeah. I said to someone once, you know, if I stand there and get run over by a car and you people laugh, that's funny. Yeah, well, um, like anything, it's subjective. So you're going to uh, make a few people laugh and you're going to upset a few people, I guess. Yeah, well, as you know, one of the characters um, I've taken on in the last five or six years was um, after the, the divorces and, and the loss of the, the property and the finances and all that sort of stuff, I was, I was pretty broke you know, vagrant, vagrant broke. Mm. Um, and I was sitting there at, at home on a Christmas Eve and I thought, I'm as close to Charlie Chaplin as anyone I know. I'm the right size. I, I look like him a bit. You got a hat that I, sort of represents him a bit. <laughs> and I'm the tramp. I have nothing left. So yeah. I rang a director mate of mine and said, hey, I'm going to put a vaudeville show on and I'm going to do Chaplin. And um, a, golden, go. a golden crock later um, tells the story. Wow, a golden crock. A golden crock is a, is um, a theatre award up in, up here in Darwin for um you know for theatre performances and doing doing something. That's amazing. I didn't know you had that. Two, <laughs> two. There's two golden. That's awesome. The, the second one um comes came about uh 
through a project called In My Skin where people came and told their stories. And I told the story about the night of the cyclone and the night of the cyclone that my I'm 14 years of age and my rugby coach, rugby league football coach, was at the house, which I thought it was wonderful because he was coming to see me, the star player, on Christmas Eve. Um, where he was actually there to see my mother. <laughs> so for those that don't know what he's talking about there, the Cyclone, Cyclone Tracy. 1974. 1974. So Devastate, here. devastated Darwin. Yeah, devastated Darwin, one of the biggest, uh, most catastrophic uh, events that's hit Darwin, um, along with obviously the bombing um, before that. So, um, yeah, being able to li- uh, Tell us about what you... I think you, I remember you telling me a story about you were in a cupboard. Tell us yeah, about that. Yeah, well, uh, well I went through... Um, the houses in Darwin, in the, in the oldest, a lot of them were on stilts, up, 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 high-rise sort of houses. And, yeah. Um, uh, the first half of the cyclone had come along, and, and there's been a fair bit of damage to the house, a little bit of damage to the house, and the wind was quite strong. But we we had the eye of the cyclone, so we all went outside of the house, mm-hmm. and we were having a card game. It was Christmas Eve, Mum and Dad were having a card game, and all that, and us kids were involved. And as this, when it was really silent, Mum or someone said, "Look, it's the eye of the cyclone. We really need to pack down now. It's going to get worse. Yep. Um, worse was was. It's not a word you could describe it. There's no words to describe what came. It was like a, a hundred freight trains coming. We could hear it, just smashing things on the way. Wow. We all ran into the house, uh, and and there was about." Eight or ten of us was my, my brother's girlfriends and some people from down south because it was Christmas Eve. The rugby coach, he, he ended up stuck in our house during the cyclone because he was there. Um, Dad was down in the, in the main bedroom because he'd come home from the raft base early and was, was had a few beers and went to bed early. Um, and probably lucky he was that drunk and knocked out because the end bedroom got completely obliterated and he actually flew off the off the house onto the ground he he went he went through the air anyway so as the cyclone started destroying the house and the wind was smashing everything everybody ran to the bathroom and the toilet which is where you go they're they're the the safe areas and built built for cyclone code across the the corridor was the linen press which led was sort of on the back of the lounge room and the kitchen area. Uh, I couldn't get in because everyone was in the bathroom and the toilet and I ducked into the linen press on the left-hand side and pulled the door closed. Um, At anyways, 14 years of age, this happened? Yep, curled up in a ball, a little, um, little ball, tucked, tucked up. In, and I actually went to sleep. I just fell asleep. Anyway, in, in the morning when um, six or eight hours of wind and smashed everything to pieces and when they'd got out of the... the bathroom area my brother and a few other people went and find, found my father his story is amazing he'd broken his back because the stairs of the house had hit him mid midsection yep uh, and we had an above ground pool ironically the stairs hit the pool and concertina the pool down and there was just enough room for him to stay underneath that little area out of the wind with the stairs on top of him but they didn't cut him in half Broke his pelvis, broke his back, broke a number of ribs, but he's still under there alive. And he said it wasn't the pain of the injuries, it was the coldness of the wind. Wow. The wind was blowing that fo- that fast that he was freezing. He was he was frozen. He was said I was so cold. Wow. Yeah. Um. Uh, and one of the dogs that we had was under the house, and he managed. The dog had managed to get to him, so we held on to the dog, and we we honestly believed that the dog saved his life. When they yeah. found him, he so obviously he sort of cut nearly cut in two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they tied. They put him on a car bonnet, 
yep. and then put the car bonnet on top of a Land Cruiser and drove him through the debris into the hospital. Uh, no beds, first planes, first evacuations out. I think it was first or second plane. All the people that were quite seriously injured were, were up and out. Wow. So, 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 yeah, yeah. so that's dad gone. Um, so the cyclone started about 11.30 at night. Okay. And sort of petered out about 6.30 in the morning. By 11.30 in the morning, they haven't found me because I'm still asleep. And they thought I was blown with the wind and, and lost. Anyway, after about 11.30, they heard this rumbling coming from, from the debris. And under the linen press, I pushed the door open and popped up. Popped out. <laughs> uh, I, I do remember, I just want to say this one thing. I do remember looking around the devastation and thinking, why us? Yeah. And then about 30 seconds later, it hit me. It's not us, it's everybody. Yeah. We, we thought thousands. We thought the whole of Darwin was dead. It was, it was, a, it was the most horrible thing. I can, I can live it like it's now. Yeah, wow. It was so long ago, wasn't it? I mean, I wasn't even alive when that happened, but uh, I can imagine. Christmas Eve, 1974. Yeah, wow. Way before. Yeah, so it makes you appreciate so, Darwin a bit, doesn't it? Oh, and for people who say to me, you know, oh, I'd really love to go through a cyclone. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Not that one. Yeah. Well, I think things were different back then as well. I mean, the infrastructure and all that. But yeah, look, we've had little tastes of cyclones over the over the years, but not anything too crazy like that. I mean, there was Carlos and a few others that did stuff, but uprooted yeah. trees and threw them yeah, on the Marcus road. Marcus a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I guess, and I think it makes you appreciate Darwin a bit more, even more. Um, and we were talking about bombing of Darwin before that devastated Darwin completely as well. Um, yeah, and I, I think in, in in line with what this podcast is about, the why, you know, talking about not just our why, but the reason we live in Darwin. Darwin's quite unique um, in that sense. Well, the great thing, people say things come in threes. I'll give you the, what Darwin's so great. It has no people, no traffic and no winter. <laughs> There's your three reasons to live in Darwin. Yeah. And, and when people come here, they find that. I yeah. say, you don't have to have a jumper here. Yeah. There's no winter. Yeah. And, and before you know it, you know they've sold their house down south and they've moved into <laughs> you know, a location here somewhere. Yeah, now the weather's great. I mean, I think we're sort of transitioning from the wet season to the dry season at the moment. So it's sort of slowly becoming a bit more clear skies out there, but we are still getting a bit of rain, a bit of thunderstorms. Yeah, so for the people that don't know, there's no four seasons up here. There's only two, and mm. it's wet season, which is raining, or dry season. Yeah. Um, and shorts and thongs every day, 365 days a year. Yeah. Definitely no snow. I, I haven't seen snow. Well, no, I had, to go to New life, I had to go to New Zealand to see snow. <laughs> yeah, but they do have a ice rink up here, actually. They yeah, do have one. And years and years ago when we grew up, there was an ice rink down at Howard Springs, which I don't know if it's melted or closed or whatever happened to it. Yeah, wow. I haven't heard about that one, but yeah. <laughs> and there used to be a roller skating rink as well. Yeah. Oh, there used to be one back in the day, didn't it? Mm -hmm. um, Nightclub? There was Nightclub, but before that, before they yeah. came out to Nightclub, they were down at Humpty Doo somewhere or Howard Springs. Right out there. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, well, thanks for that, uh, sharing those uh, that story with us there, Rusty, about not the that, not, that, not that much comedy involved in, in yeah, those well, stories, but, but very traumatic. Going back to comedy, I mean, you said um, you obviously started off with comedy, but there was um, some dark times in your life. Um, and we were talking about the roller coaster of life, um, how it hits you and can take you right down there, right? So you've been affected um, 
with depression and things like that. Um, yep, yep. I guess as, uh, if you want to talk about it, you're more than welcome to. Just share your, I guess, your experience there and how we can be better aware of this with uh, men. Can I just say to your podcast listeners that I have never spoken about this i have a clinical psychologist and psychiatrist that i've spoken to you don't have to no, but that, if you want to that is all confidential but I, but i want to because it's important um two years ago they had the first um suicide prevention day for for men and for all people of australia here held at the cdu here in darwin um and i was that frustrated that there's eight men a day dying of suicide. Um, I'd been on two suicide watches myself. I'd, I'd had a tough trot. And I thought, no one's, no one's really getting this. So I went and spoke at the conference, um, yeah. which when they said, does anyone want to say anything, I was sitting there and my heart was jumping out of my mouth. And I thought, if I don't move now, I'll never get heard. And, and I'm speaking for all, all the the people that, that suffer with mental illnesses across Australia, yeah, not man. only just the men. Um, anyway, so I had I had my speech. I think hopefully um, through uh, Professor Patrick McGorry and Christine McDonald, who was uh, said, "Look, I've got a right hand man to the prime. I'm the right hand to the prime minister. I'm one of his six PAs. I can I can fix things." Mm. Uh, and I did notice that um, I think it was 587 million dollars allocated to mental health. And adult mental health, because, yeah, well, because yep. Patrick McGorry is is uh, for junior junior mental health and junior suicide, uh, and he said we have all these things in place and all this money, and that was my point. Not that I don't want all the young people to get all the money, and but but older people have problems as well. People are not suiciding under twenty one. It's it's a it's the whole ra- it's range. It's a whole range, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what I said is, you know, there's old people like myself and other people that are going through it, and I don't want to be one of the eight people a day. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think we, I think we got the message across. So it, that was your message. Can I ask? Was there a, a main message you're trying to get across in your speech? What would you say that was? Yeah, that that well, they were, they were, what they, that whole conference was mainly about young youth suiciding, and I just wanted to say it wasn't about them. And when they did allocate this big lump of money, I, I felt deep down that I had a, I had a little piece of that. And yeah. and that's for everyone in Australia. That's for all all the men and women and everybody that suffer from, because um, when I was interviewed by the ABC on uh, Men's Mental Health Week, yep, I said, you can fight people physically, you can fight also, but when you're fighting something in your brain that you can't handle, it's it's a nightmare. It's yeah. it's in a box, and the box is inside your head. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I... Um, it's a tough gig. Yeah, look, I can relate. I've suffered from a bit of depression myself, just being really down. And it's sort of... I liken it to like a bit of a numb feeling. You lose um, you lose your sense of caring uh, as much as you used to. You lose your, your vibrance about you. Everything becomes a bit grey, from colour to grey. Uh, that's the best I can explain. I know it's different for everyone. No case is the same. But I found um, having a strong purpose, um, and this is another thing that, about the why. It's uh, it's a lot of people when they get depressed is they lose, they focus on you know, the bad stuff that's happening to them, and that can overwhelm them like a grey cloud that over, overcomes the sun. It will um, it will consume you, and unfortunately, it gets to that point where the why, the the things that you live for and the things that you are passionate about, just sort of fade away yeah. in life i mean you can you can wait for the sunshine to appear or you can try and force it to appear there's a whole yeah. gamut of, of of 
of things that could happen. But but that's what I said at, at the mm. at the suicide prevention day. I said yeah. the difficulty is every case is unique. Yeah. So it, you can't just put a bit of peanut butter across the hot spread across everybody and that's going to fix it because everyone's is unique and everyone's problems that's are right. different. Yeah, exactly. You know, they so, are different. Yeah. Um, but triggers buttons that trigger people. Uh, for me, when, when I had the big a couple of big meltdowns, were what what did I really want to do? And I thought, you know what? If if I kick the bucket or if I decide to leave the building, and I haven't done it one play or one attempt at a stand up comedy or do the things that a little little man in my heart telling me, you know, you're a funny guy. Let's go and make people laugh. Yep. Um, you know, you, that's what that's sort of what kept me alive. So I'm gonna have a go at that. So what yep. I do now is. If I don't have a project in front of me that that's keeping my brain interested in, then I, I risk you know going off the rails and, yeah, and, and saying what's the, good what's message. the point? Where's it all at? So and and yeah. little things, three things a day. Yeah, look, that's a very powerful message for those probably listening that might be going through a bit. I mean, always keep your your why in focus, right? Um, it's your purpose or what you want to do, um, even if it's your job. I mean. A lot of people have a job they're not happy with, but find something you do like about it um, and just be happy. A lot, a lot of people out there don't even have a job and they yeah. would love to have what you have. Um, and there's gratitude as well, I guess. you got to have a bit of gratitude. Um, one thing I don't have, and I'm, my biggest envy, is family. Yeah. You know, people that have family around or say, oh, I went to my brother's place today and we had a ball and I've, you know, my brother's always been there for me and dads and mums. And, um, be, being like a, a, an abandoned orphan... Uh, yep. That that I, that is the hardest. If you've got family, stay with them. <laughs> Don't kick them out. And if if one someone's been ostracised in your family, bring them back into the fold because that's where you're out on alone, and that's when you risk self harm and all these things that you think you're not worthy or the whole world's not worth it. Yeah, I could certainly relate to that. Um, definitely have to keep in touch with my family as well. Yeah. Something I got to work on personally myself. So, um, yeah, I could definitely I, relate to that. I, I, I'm told I'm eccentric and quirky, but I tell people like you, my friend, that I love you. I love yeah. you, mate. Yeah. A- and I mean that because it's important for me to hold a connection to 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 people, and that's yeah. where because I don't have family. Yeah. So so people around you tell them you love them more. It's it's not weird. It's it's, yeah. it's right from the heart. And yeah, I mean that's it. that's good. Yeah, no, that's great. And you can see that especially when you're out and doing things for others as well. I mean, there's been examples of this. Uh, we very recently have uh, you shown that love. So uh, I do want to thank you for that. That's great. And um, yeah, uh, I guess what advice would you have for anyone that is going through some bad times and what would you say i, mean, I guess from your perspective you're a uh, an older older gentleman yeah. um yeah um also someone like myself great facade you know the reason why i knew i'd be a reasonable actor because i acted all my life that I was pretending to be something and always pretending to be well and good and I never ever spoke about suicides or feeling bad or empty or gutted or how hopeless I was. Um, and maybe I over-try sometimes because I'm, I'm, I'm trying so hard. But here's, here's a couple of things. Um, three quick words, courage over fear, and I put it in my fridge. And every time I open the fridge, I see it. So every time one. I'm scared of something... Courage over fear, no matter what it is. And the other thing is on stage is I was a perfectionist. I did a play about an hour and a half and I dropped one word. And I went home and I was laying on the floor watching the fan go round. So disappointed that I dropped one word. 
And then everybody said, everybody drops words, Rusty. No one in the audience knew. You don't have to be perfect. You tell me someone who's perfect. And I turned around and said, nobody's perfect. And I said, now you listen to what you just said. Look in the mirror and tell yourself that. Yep, that's right. So so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, yeah, they say follow your dreams, but be courageous and, and have fun. You know, yeah. it, life's not about being so serious all the time. I mean, check, look at some Robin Williams quotes about having fun and don't let that little six-year-old boy, don't push him down and become an adult and serious about all this stuff. You know, have a yeah. little bit of fun and skylark around and you know, say silly things. Yeah, that's, that's it as well. And um, don't let your passion consume you too much to the point where you make it too much work. I guess um, when I was listening to my self-development things they um i remember hearing something about the lines of even the most successful people out there find ways to be mindful and do things that like i think um you know they'd they be playing golf or going out to the beach or just having that mindful time um definitely does help i mean i learned recently actually about it's a bit more of an educational experience about how the limbic system works which is where the how the how the mind processes things like anxiety and all that it's really good to actually know that um how it works because it gives you an understanding and you can make you can self-reflect and go oh wow well this is happening this is this is normal it's normal to worry and uh or normal to for this to happen because we're humans right it's going to happen to us but having that understanding does help when those challenges do hit you um the other one's obviously perseverance. I told you about my first four stand-up um, attempts. Two yep. of them, two of them, I went home. I jumped in the car and went home because I was so anxious. I just went blank. Yeah. You know, they're, they're about to introduce me, and I've got nothing. I can't, I can't, I can't go on stage. I'm, I'm a train wreck. So I jumped in the car and went home. To what? Two out of the first four gigs that I was booked for, I went home, and and that was really bad because they said, "Oh, he he, he leaves gigs." Mm. No, I left because I was in fear. And then I got mad at myself for leaving the gig and not having enough courage. So yeah. that's where I worked out courage over fear. Yeah. No, it's really good. Um, good story there, Rusty. I mean, it's going to help a lot of people that are listening. I think that I've, I'm sure there's, there's several people that have gone through that or something similar. Um, other people that are 50 plus, right, and you've decided you wanted to do something or this little man's in you or you, you want to have a go, listen, listen to this. Um, in the years, old, old years gone by, there used to be things called, called the Dean Martin Roasts. And that, today they would be very politically incorrect. But they were really, really funny. And they had all the top shelf entertainers from across the world. Um, and Groucho Marx used to be on them and all, them, all, the, all the superstars of the world. Um, and there was a chap on there that used to play a drunk. Right. called Foster Brooks. People would remember him. But, but, but when I say Foster Brooks, they don't remember. They go, remember the guy who was always acting drunk? Oh, we remember him. He was found in an underground basement pub at 57 years of age doing his drunk act. And someone like Dean Martin or, or Sinatra saw, hey, this guy, come over here. And, and, and he became very, very famous. Yeah, right. But he was doing his thing at 57 yep. with, with you know holes in his shoes and he became part, not part of the Rat Pack, but part of that really, really big Hollywood era where the mm. big stars were, 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 became really famous. So he drives me a lot to Foster Brooks. And he plays a drunk and he's really, really funny, which is even, you know, yeah, adds, yeah. To, adds to it. So there's, yeah, some good inspiration out there of um, you're not too old to learn new tricks, I guess, or all those tricks that you've uh, wanted to, the tricks up your sleeve. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and be brave. Write, write three things down to do. And, and when it comes to that time, courage over fear. 
yeah. Look, everyone's seen um, Tiger Woods, you know, stuff a golf shot, or um, Ronnie O'Sullivan, the great eight ball player, miss a shot. Everyone, everyone can you know, yeah, stuff up. Yeah. Um, but the courage to keep going. Um, one one thing ha- I have learned with performing, and you're a performer. Um, I'm a latecomer. Is that you have to rehearse, folks. You know, you get out what you put in. The same like a, an Olympian athlete. Get you get out what you put in. Yep. I actually uh, reposted a quote today on my Facebook. I, I was one to post quotes. I know it's a bit funny to do that, and I was doing it for quite a while. I don't do it as much anymore, but it's something I would uh, read or listen to. I'd go, oh, I've got to let everyone know this quote because it's just so inspirational. But the one I posted back in on this day in 2018 was, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. Is nothing. And that was by Theodore Roosevelt. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's a very powerful quote that I think says a lot with, with – see, some people think that, yeah, like you said, you, you have to be right or you have to be perfect. But if you don't do anything, that's probably the worst it, it, you can do. It stopped me doing this acting for, for 30 years that I was scared that I would fail and I wasn't good enough to be able to memorise what they did or, or be, that, be that good. But when I realised I could do it and I didn't have to be perfect – Plus, they learnt it, memorised it, and then brought it to the stage. Yep. Bingo. I mean, I must have been so dumb not to work that out early because I'm like, how smart are these people to walk on and be, be able to do that? You just reminded me of something, actually, Rusty. Um, I've been running trivia uh, as on on an ad hoc basis so over at Tracy Village, and one of the things I am known for there is actually stuffing up the pronunciation of words. And uh, it's funny, though, <laughs> the manager would... Uh, Purposely pick some things to to get to get me because I'd try to you know what's the that of the and I'd try to read it and I'd actually mess it up or mispronounce the word and everyone will laugh. But what's really interesting about this is at first I was a bit oh it's a bit shaken. I was like, oh no the trivia host is getting the getting it wrong and I was like oh but and people were a bit oh this guy can't even pronounce words you know he's what's he doing? But it eventually warmed on people that this was now. This is actually funny. They saw a human side of me and they actually in turn liked me more as a host because they see me as a normal person, someone that can fall over, still have a laugh and, and be human. So I guess that's a, a good example of if you are in a performing or like a, a hosting role or anything, don't be afraid to just mess up sometimes because people will end up liking you. Speaking about um, not pronouncing words right, when I had my send-off in Victoria when I was heading coming back to Darwin um, 15, 20 years ago, they'd organised a send-off for me in South Melbourne. Now, I'll tell you what the name of the restaurant was now, the Rendezvous. I was ringing up people and telling them that it was 7 o'clock at the Rendezvous restaurant and when, when, when we were all there... Rendezvous. Rendezvous. <laughs> and when we were there, just as they were making the speeches, they asked me to stand up and reply. And before they reply, I replied, they said, hey, Rusty, what's the name of this restaurant? And I went, Rendezvous. <laughs> and they all exploded with laughter. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's just the fun of it, really. And... Uh, yeah, I've got a gold star system. There's a lady in the trivia. <laughs> she gives me a gold star. Last one was a red star, but a little gold star if I get um, <laughs> get the name right. <laughs> so, so a quick challenge on a little bit of a different tack to that. Um, anyone over 50 that has never told a joke, never been on stage, never acted, sung, done anything, that always wanted to do it, 
write us a joke and send it in. Yeah, yeah. Get in touch with Rusty, um, especially if you're up here in Darwin. It's a it's a close community. Uh, there's always an open mic happening. There's always um, a good group of people to come out and meet. Um, I mean, Rusty, you're you're out at open mic nearly weekly, and um, mm-hmm. you're now hanging with me at some of my events. So if you are interested in getting out there and want to just do something. Um. you got to be brave. Initially, when you get on stage, I mean, I sang at, at um, a place here called Dolly's in uh, Lianya. Nice yep. plug for Dolly's. Yep. Um, <laughs> about two or three years ago, and I could hardly put a note together. Sure. So apart from turning up there every every Thursday night, because I wanted to sing this Sunny Boy song, which is a great Australian band called Alone With You. And I learnt it, but I used to sing it so horribly that, you know, it was just so terrible. In the meantime, I went off to the Darwin Chorale for two years. And I, I didn't tell the people at the pub. And every week I would come back, they'd say, gee, you're getting better. Gee, you're getting better. Until, yeah. you know, I can deliver it now like it sounds like the record. That's great. Yeah, no, look, um, it's such a good scene up here in Darwin. I mean, yeah, you've got Dolly's, you've got the one I run at Tracy Village as well, Friday nights. Um, yeah, it's just a there's, – there's ways to – and I think a really important thing as well, we were talking about, um, you know, depression and all that, and there's some dark subjects there, but uh, just associate yourself with people that are, you know, that, that, that are positive and have a positive influence on you, um, that, that, that love you basically. Maybe I skipped over that subject because I really have never, ever told anyone and gone in this deep and pro- maybe tomorrow people say, well, we never knew you had depression, Rusty, or, you know, you'd, you'd been to rehab twice and you've, you've been to suicide watch twice. Uh, it, it, they come in threes and I, I will never get the third one because I don't think the third one's going to be good. <laughs> I don't think I'll last through, get through the third one. Um, courage, be brave. Uh, everyone's the greatest fear. The number one greatest fear in the world is public speaking. Now, mm. I could not do that. I, I would fight and say to someone, shoot me before I'd go on stage. Yep. Now I do it and I don't enjoy it, but I can do it. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that has just been persevere of pushing myself through, pushing myself through. So people over 50, this is, I'm your inspiration. Get up, <laughs> write a joke, do something silly. Uh, like Robin said and, and Charlie Chaplin, you know, six-year-old tramp, keep, the, keep a little bit of nonsense in your life. Yeah, keep that flame alive. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, a young gun or a young lady coming up and, you know, there's lots of great ones, by the way. But if you are at that age and, you know, you feel like, oh, nah, life's already over, you know, can only work all my life or do something, you've got still some things you can do. A good way we went back to the mental health sort of thing, and, and it does bring out, because I, I went to a place, and I'll give it a shout-out, because um, I went there and I wasn't um, I wasn't that well in the sense of when I got off the plane in Brisbane, I flew from Darwin to Brisbane, a four-and-a-half-hour flight, and all I wanted to do was jump out. Yep. 100%. If I could have got out of that plane, I would have. And the lady said to me next, like, she, she obviously knew that there was something wrong because I, I was thin, I was in tears, I was just a, a total mess. And when you get off the plane there, there's two people, like, in straitjackets and pick you up and take you to a beautiful place called Fountainhead Organic in Queensland. So it's a really, really heavy mental health place, but brilliant. Anyway, I went there zero and I, and I wrote to them after a week and said, I, I'm a third... I'm a third now, and I'm so thankful for you to have re- rebuilding me slowly. Yep. And they gave me some t- gave me some tools to work with, but th- that's how bad it can be. And when I s- spoke to the, the the main psychiatrist there, he said, "What's your problem?" I said, "I've had a good run." 
Yeah. I runs over. And he said, yeah. no. He said, fancy this. Fancy if your run can continue. I said, but it's over. He said, no, it's not. You are here and it can continue. It won't be the same run as you've done till now. Yep. It'll be different, but I'm going to give you some tools that's going to – your run's going to continue. And here I am today up and about and, you know – one of the most recognised performers in Darwin. Such an inspiring story, I got to say. Um, I can't cannot speak more highly of you, Rusty. You're a great inspiration. Um, yeah. Well, because you're a close friend, I, I've said this for the first time on, on international radio, which I don't, I haven't even said to my local friends and my, my my you know Australian sister and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's about time because if I'm if I'm going to be an advocate for men's mental health, I can tell you what goes on in there. It's scrambled eggs. Yep. And and at times there's a lot of people in there. You know, talk about Crowded House, one of the Australian, great Australian bands. My head's a crowded house. And, yeah. and you've got to line, slow people down, stop some people talking, get other people in line. But if you've got to focus, you say, I'd really love to sing one day. Get the radio out, get the player out or your DVD, whatever you, whatever you play the music on and sing along with it. Yep. Or... Come to karaoke. Karaoke is a great way to get into singing with um, with less, you know, expectation, I guess, because a lot of people, well, a lot of people have different views of karaoke. You know, they're going to be good, they're going to be bad. But what I've found and what my method is to encourage people to get up and have a go at karaoke because you see, I don't know, it's just a, it's an experience to see someone going from being, oh, I'm not going to get up, I don't, yeah, but you know they're good. And you encourage them, you encourage them, you encourage them. Then they finally get up and just the look and you can, they just transform into another person. After they've finished that, wow, I've done it, you know, I've actually done it. And then they, they're there the next week and the next week and you're just like, wow. So, yeah, there's more to karaoke uh, than people think. It's, it's a great point because I, I remember I did a, a play here, my second play called Black Comedy. Uh, and we yep. had a five-night run. It was brilliantly directed again by Tony Reeve, who's just a fabulous Shakespeare actor from around Australia. He's actually in Melbourne at the moment doing a, a, um, a summer series of Shakespeare. Yep. And I said to him, I got home on the fifth night and I sat in the bed and I said to myself, I have done that. Are you serious? And you look back and you think, this is an achievement. Very, very proud um, to do things that, 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 are, that are difficult. But if other people can do them, you can do them. Absolutely. So everyone listening, yeah, there's been some great positive messages today. Uh, oh, I want, we want some jokes in from, <laughs> from, from Germany. And where's it? Ukraine? Was it? Yeah. Uh, you back at uh, Estonia. 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 And USA? Yep. Come yep. on, USA. You can give us a gag. <laughs> you guys are really good at that. Yeah. Throw them in the comments if you do have any funny ones. Yeah. But uh, uh, Rusty would love to hear them. But, uh, Courage I think, over fear and be brave. I think so some great words of wisdom there, Rusty. Uh, so you, I think you wanted to start – you might be looking to start your own podcast. There's a bit of an idea there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, looking to start an own podcast and, and, and based on opinions and courage. Yeah, and if you've got an opinion, don't be afraid to say it. This is not. I hope it's not going to be a political correct um, podcast. Where if you're if you've got an opinion, get it out, get get it out there, and it, it might be different. It might align with millions of people, or you might be on your own. Um, I did say to my son once. I, I, I just it just came back to me that I said to him, ninety nine one. Yeah, uh, you can be the one. You can swim against the tide. Right? There's only two rules: don't hurt anyone and don't end up in jail. <laughs> Some good uh, words of wisdom there. Uh, well, Rusty, mate, is there anything else you want to say while you've got your time on the uh, on here today? Um, 
look, I, I want the world to be happy every day. You know, no wars, no no bombs, no guns, no fighting. Um, have a laugh. Uh, remember, we're not on for a long time. Some people um, uh, say say goodbye to their wife going to work or their husband going, and they don't come home. You know, they've had a car accident or something horrible's happened. So to all the people that have had horrible things, hang in there. You know, tomorrow's another day. Um, you know, yeah. And have a laugh, you know. Make someone laugh, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Pull a funny face to someone or give them a hug or yeah. be a little bit of nonsense. It uh, goes a long way. Great positive messages there. Well, look, thank you once again, Rusty, for being on the show. This has been The Why. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Very welcome.